Hey Glenn, what's the name of the new album? Which I've now listened to a whole bunch of times. What's the name of the album? Oh, good. Uh, there is so much here. Great. And do you have vinyl or do I need to send you one? I don't, but I'm such a, I'm just such a loser that I don't do it. I don't really. Okay. What, if you, you don't know, need when it, I was you in LA, When I was in LA shooting Super Pumped, the house that Amy and I rented had a record player and I re I got so excited about it. It was a really good one. And I went and I got Stray Cat's first album and I got <laughs> Albert I got Albert King and um, Stevie Ray Vaughan, that session yeah. they did together. And it was awesome. And then I found myself getting acquisitive. I wanted more. Yeah. I wanted more albums. And then mm -hmm. I was like, no, why? Why do I need, why? And then I just stopped. Yeah. I Last stopped thing it too. you need is another thing to want. Why did I want? Yeah. Yes, I'm trying to work. I'm trying to go in the other direction. Uh, yeah. You know? I, I mean, the good thing about vinyl is I, I feel like there's this built-in attention aspect to it. 100%. Like that's, that's the important part is you have to keep it clean and turn it over and you can't stomp around. The having to turn it over thing. Hey, this is the moment. I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. We can just pick up this in flow, but I will introduce my <laughs> guest uh, um, in, in one second. I promise. It's Glenn Phillips, but I'll, I'll do the proper thing. But yeah, man, the thing of grabbing and putting the other, having to put the other side of the record on um, and because otherwise it'll do that skippy thing that happens, right? Mm -hmm. um, is really awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I think we're both of the generation where the last generation where um, the way an album sounds, an album on vinyl, we translate that as having a certain warmth to it, a nostalgic mm -hmm. warmth. Yeah. And it, so that part I really like a lot. I, I enjoy it. I actually had this idea for making an app at one point that would be like a vinyl app, but all the annoying parts of vinyl. So you could play your digital files, but you had to hold your phone still. Like if you jostled it, it would skip. <laughs> and if you like knocked it, it would it would actually like put a skip in your file and you'd have to buy a penny to put on top of the tone arm so it wouldn't skip. And that could go to charity every time. So you could, you know, and the more you played it with the penny, the, the, the more the sound would degrade. Uh, <laughs> why not? And if you needed a mixtape from it, you had to do it in real time. Oh, you could you had to really wait. The, you have to wait the four minutes. Well, yeah, your dude. playlist has to be put together song by song. <laughs> I loved, obviously, I love making playlists for people. And it was like, I'm sure for you, it was like a superpower. I loved being able to do it. I mean, often mm -hmm. it failed. It was, I thought it was a superpower. I mean, sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. But um what I'm happy about and what feels really true all over your new album, there's so much here. And actually, the last Toad record, too. It does feel to me like music is super alive to you uh, mm -hmm. again and in a really deep way, um, like in all of its ways, all of its meanings. Is that, would you say it's true? Yeah. I mean, in the last, uh, you know, definitely Swallowed by the New, like the last solo album was, yes. you know, my marriage had just ended my kids were leaving home my you know it was you know massive transition and loss and um 
I went through, I mean, you've known me for a while, a period of what could be described as not the most stable. Uh, and Well, I've known it, you for a while, but I mean, no, that's understand. I mean, I think that undersells the thing, right? I mean, I've known you for... 32 years? 30, yeah, 32. We've been 34. actual real friends for over... I'm 56 and I met you when I was 22. So something like that. It's a really long time. It is a really long time. But I, I think- but You were saying that, that some of those years you weren't stable. Well, I mean, you know me, I've always wrestled with with depression. I've always wrestled, wrestled with imposter syndrome and, um, you know, just my, you know, holding on to, you know, hope has always been a, a really- it's something I have to hold on to hard. Um, and the last number of years, I, I feel like I got an appreciation again for the purpose of music. I started doing the community choir leading. I kind of got, I found a, a language around spirituality that I think was not dogmatic, but that was, that made sense to me. I'm someone who's like always wanted to pray, but I never believed in God. Right. And so reconciling that spiritual hunger in me, I, I I feel like I found ways to try to make music that's purposeful. And in the last few years, like the, the last couple albums, there's just been that the, the stories I need to tell. It's not that I need to kind of wallow in my sadness as much. I feel like the songs that I need to hear are songs that are lifting me up a little more and not, not ignoring, not ignoring the darkness, but um aiming out of it a little more and so I, I think it's a lot more reflected this album too it's like hey after it was done it's like i i let myself fall in love again <laughs> you know well yeah <laughs> it's, it's i, I would yes no and i a hundred percent clear that's that's clear um i thought of a few different ways i wanted to ask you about a bunch of this um i want to start by giving some context because I did just race into it. I don't want to race through a proper introduction. So to, my guest is Glenn Phillips, who has just released this really wonderful and just great. Like, it's a really good time, too. Sometimes your solo albums can, you know, the thing we we're just talking about, about vinyl and having, I, this does really reward sitting down and really listening, but it's also got a lot of musical treats in it. It's very, a lot of musicality, really great melodies, um, you sing your ass off. Everybody plays great. So the record's just a, a really fun to listen to, and it's really about something. But you're also the have been for a very long time lead singer and main songwriter um, in So the What's Brocket, and you've been on the podcast before. You and I met uh, when you were 17, and as we said, and I was I think had just turned 22. And you know, last year when your last toad record came out you asked me to write a little something and i mm -hmm. i was remembering you know as i wrote this as i'm sure you you do glenn when you've when you've known someone this long these it's not just that the mem like these shards of memory or moments show up but there's like this totality that comes with it too um and you kind of fix the person where they are within the whole thing. But at the same time, I don't know, I see you, I remember all these moments of 
interaction over all this time. And it's like this weird, amazing kind of continuum. There aren't that many people I've been friends with for that long where I've known them the whole time, you know, the whole time. Mm -hmm. uh, it's meaningful to me. And, and um, I'm always so happy to see you and I'm always so happy to see you when you're in a good place. You said something a second ago that, and, and it relates, relates to this, which is, it seems like you've always wanted to have deeper experience, but that definitionally the way you lived provided for a lot of warm, genuine, but definitionally thinner experiences because you were always moving. Mm -hmm. And, and it feels to me like this album and the last album and the last Toad album are all kind of grappling with an, uh, a kind of an understanding of that needing to shift. And then this one is kind of like the joys of that beginning to shift. Do you want to talk? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. I mean, the, the title comes from a song. And, and once again, uh, the title of the album is uh, not the title of one of the songs. All of the songs on this album were written for a songwriting game, Bob Schneider style, that's led by Matt the Electrician from Austin, Texas. Um, and so every week he sends out a, a prompt and a prompt. Uh, tw 20 of us write a song based around the prompt. So all the song titles on this record are from these prompts. Awesome. And the, uh, the song is uh, The Sound of Drinking, which I knew everybody was going to write a song about a bar. So I didn't want to write a song about a bar. <laughs> and, uh, and for me, it was, you know, it's about, uh, it's, you know, one of the lines is the sound of drinking water. It's like of being so in the moment that you're just noticing little things like what swallowing sounds like, what, you know, seeing the leaves change at your house, seeing like I had locked down. I moved in with my fiance, um, girlfriend at the time. And I had not been home that long since the birth of my youngest daughter, who's 21 now. Um, and I might not have even been home that long when Freya was born. Uh, so, that opportunity to kind of sink into um, a home routine and to not jump from peak experience to peak experience. Like usually I'm on tour and I'm excited about getting home and I have to see amazing. I, I mean, however depressed I get or whatever victim story I ever tell the one thing that I consistently am able to appreciate is how fucking amazing my friends are and that yeah. that can't be an accident because uh, the people I love and who love, like my friends blow my mind. Uh, and I like, if nothing else, like my friends blow my mind. And, uh, but yeah, I go on the road and I have these peak experiences and I'm waiting to get home and then I go yes. home and I'm waiting to go away and do my next peak experience. And it's always about the next thing. And I am also, you know, traditionally, I'm a little listless. I remember years ago, Laurel, my, my former wife, uh, she came out to, I was playing City Winery in New York and I got her from the airport and I took her and we were playing a show and I had to do some promo and we checked into a hotel and then I got her there and took care and she needed something from the store and we got that. And I remember her going like, you're really good at this. 
right. like the traveling, the, the competency of being in a new place, getting from here to there, fitting it all in. She never got to see me competent at home because I would get home and I'd have no, I, it's like, oh, what's my job today? I just, oh, I have to, if I write, I have to write the best song I've ever written. That'll totally change. Well, that, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's my only, <laughs> that totally tracks, but that tracks with what I was saying and noticing for sure, which is like, the way in which you, um, yeah, when you said peak experiences of being uh, at, on the road, you know, I think of all the times that you and I spent a night or two hanging out. Um, and it would be like very present, as you say, like the water thing, very uh, engaged. But then by definition, you're moving on and I'm getting back to whatever my life is. And you were having those kinds of interactions many times over the court mm -hmm. because you'd built relationships in all these places. You know, whether it was because the people whose couches you stayed on earlier in your career, like mine, well then when you came through a town, whether you were staying on our couches or you were on a tour that allowed you to be in a, a those are the people you'd see and you had these yeah. intimate connections with, but they are, and they were real, they're real connections. I, you know, you're like family to us and I, all that stuff, but they are fast and they are, mm -hmm. uh, they're dots on the, they're dots on the graph. And it's a different, yeah. and you're talking about this stuff on these records now, right? In a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm struggling with the balance. I mean, the biggest challenge in my relationship right now is, how do we adjust to me being back on the road? Um, oh, yeah. And how do we keep, I mean, the other thing about having those conversations, I have these brilliant friends, we get to bring our best material to each other. We catch yes, up on our life. And totally. if I'm not to, it's like, what have you been thinking about? Well, it's like, I've been really uh, doing a deep dive on the, you know, like, so you get to bring your best. And it's very different than your spouse. Who's who are all your best material? Who is bored by it? He says, you told me that yesterday. Like, Yes. And, and so getting into the mundane and the presence of that and like appreciating simple presence. Uh, it, it's yeah. What's the song on this album? There's a song on this album that has a lyric about being home, about like having to be the world shutting down and you being home. I, I well, there's uh, two because there's there's sound of drinking, which, you know, the on the chorus of that song, it's, you know, the the long days, the, the, the long year, the slow days. There's so much here I've never seen. Right. It's yeah. It's about, and I would say there's also so much, you know, I'm sitting in my friend's room in Minneapolis. There's also so much here. I've never, like, you can't yes. take it all in uh, there. You know, the, the world is whatever room anyone listening to this is sitting in. There is more going on than you can possibly take in. Your mind is, a, you know, Alice Huxley, right? The mind is a, is an attention filter, but yes. um, the, you know, there's this thing of home relationship, not jumping peak to peak. And Elise, my, my, my fiance is really good at loving the subtle and really good at being present um, for small things. And it is a lot for me to adjust to that. And when I do, I find a lot of freedom and peace in it. Um, and I think also for her life, there's an element of my going out and wildness and the, you know, that that's also 
opening for her. I hope it adds to to her, and that that's kind of where our you know gears mesh. Um, and wait, what's the other song that has? Because I had written down like my first thing I was going to ask brand you. New blue. Yeah, tell me. Yeah, and what's the line in that one? Brand new blue. It's maybe something's waiting in the next room. Maybe something's changing, but probably not soon. <laughs> right. And well, because like like I wrote that like um that the album. It's an album about like home life, the joys of home and figuring out how to live mm. without moving. But often in the past, you've written about the yearning for this and you romanticized mm -hmm. it because you didn't mm -hmm. have it. Um, and here you are letting yourself live it as the, you know, on the album, you yeah. feel as you're listening to the, the record, somebody like, looking at their surroundings and be like, okay, so this is the thing. This is where I've mm -hmm. landed um, for, for now. Yeah. And I think there was an element too of being home. I mean, my pivot during that time was to live streaming, right? So I was doing yes. five, five live streams a week. I was doing one stage at concert. I was doing three Facebook, YouTube uh, benefit shows. And then I was also doing choir leading via Zoom I would do the parts, the harmonies on a looper and people yes. would sing along at home. So I was learning and finishing more songs than I've ever finished in my life. I got, I was having to learn covers because I had, you know, three solo acoustic shows, uh, four solo acoustic shows a week. No, plus the choir. I, yeah. So I had this full-time job and I was having to find the nonprofits for the benefit things, make graphics for it, vet the nonprofit, make sure that the, like I was working in a way that I have never worked at home. And it was so wonderful because I had structure. Um, usually at home, I kind of flail and get panicked. <laughs> so it allowed that. Oh, and we were recording the Toad album. Well, yeah, and, and you've had to juggle. And also, I wonder, like at a certain point, I wonder at a certain point, it's really fun getting to, this is a, a talk about the deep thing and all, like getting to go. I, it's really fun for me to get to talk to you about this stuff now because um, you're just one of the people I've ever had on here that I kind of in certain ways understand like the totality of so much of your life that before it's, it's weird it's a mm -hmm. so in and, and good You've and because you're writing duration about, <laughs> yes but because you're writing yes for sure but because you're writing about that stuff that's what's like as i was listening to this record and some of the songs in the last toad record and the last solo record um i was like adding up certain things that you would maybe offhanded said or thought about mm. and because then I, when i was thinking about is it, like you have this quasi family structure but that leans on you in a certain way in the band and you had it with being the one man at home with three women for years but also leaving all the time and all of that dynamic and it's like and i could feel at times your frustration with not feeling like you were getting any of it right because of whatever mm -hmm. and and but yet not not calling time out to get it right not fic not being ready yet in a way to go get it all right and it feels mm -hmm. like something happened where where you don't just want to look at it you kind of it seems don't want to this character the person in these songs feels like it's somebody trying to see if it's possible hmm. to feel like they could get it right 
Like they could make it function. Like they could, you know. Yeah. I, well, I mean, the big. Or maybe it's because like I was a riot. I was a riot and you're the piece. Mm -hmm. And it's in a way it's saying I was the riot is sort of saying to me as a listener, I couldn't do this till now. I think that's right. I mean, the phrases in my mind that have been the most active is, you know, my, my two current mottos are, you know, yes. And number one right. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, yes, and, and, and don't let, you know, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. I, I think there's this, you know, dreaming oh, yeah. of the, everything has to fit in its place. And there's an increasing, it, it's a, a surrender, even the recording of this album. And, you know, I'd made all these solo albums where I was thinking, well, I'm going to have to tour solo acoustics. So it's got to sound small so that when I'm out by myself, because I can't afford a band and I won't be able to afford a band. So I have to make a small sounding record so that when I'm solo acoustic, it's not disappointingly small. And on this record, I said, I want to have fun and make something really beautiful. <laughs> and I don't, and it doesn't matter. Like there's a certain like giving up you know, I think of like, you know, I've read essays on the power of quitting or Kathleen Edwards, you know, starting quitters, right? Her, you know, that, that like a refusal to play the game. And it's been interesting to see, you know, putting a record out again and being back and like, okay, there's a record company. I'm in that game that's about making music to, you know, that, that has all these metrics that I'm supposed, supposed to pay attention to and care about. And I'm trying not to do a bad job or a self-sabotaging job, but there's some part of me that doesn't care anymore in a good way, that knows that Toad is where it is. <clears throat> we have our old audience. If we can do more opening gigs for bigger bands and maybe more festivals, you know, it'd be nice if we got back more of our old fans, but kind of going, you know, we got our old fans and we got their kids now. <laughs> their kids are old enough and we're, they're of a generation that likes the music, their parents. So like, I have that job, that job adds a lot of flexibility. There are parts of me that wonder like how much time to put into the solo career. Cause I don't think I want it to take me anywhere anymore. I'm not trying to, there was a period where the band wasn't getting along and I was trying to replace the band and I felt like a total failure right. or, or I was raising all my kids and I don't have to do that anymore. And there's just this beginning of a feeling of freedom. And even I have to remind myself getting into marriage again and relationship. I'm so much better when I'm, uh, when I'm in relationship and there's also things you, you know, there are, you know, things you get and things you give and freedoms you give up. And I can't just do, you know, the last many years I've done whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted to. Um, and, you know, I had my psychedelic rumspringa I had, yeah, of course. you know, and, you know, now I find that going into a ceremonial space like once or twice a year, maybe even quarterly, but, you know, this you know, once or twice a year, um, the integration is way deeper and not destabilizing. And I find I can, um, that the, the purpose of any of that work is not about going back to the well over and over, but it's about showing up. It's about, uh, 
you know, getting I was not digging. I was not digging the 60 ceremonial visits uh, in a calendar year situation or whatever. I know I, it was a lot, but I was at filling, times. I was filling uh, the hole of the loss of my family. And yes, I found beautiful people and amazing and difficult practices and a, a, a level of like beauty and prayerfulness that I still carry with me and that I, I can, you know, once again, I'm trying to waste less time on regret, but I feel like um, the friends that I made in that and the respect I have for the people who lead that work and for the medicine itself isn't diminished at all, but it's not the, a, place to live it's not a stable grounding what you just said uh, yeah. is that the integration because I, yes. I am in no way i'm the, the opposite of denigrating i completely understand the ways in which it saves people and it's so incredibly useful um and beautiful but there is a difference in, and and, it, and yes. it makes total sense right um it's not supposed to be a thin joy it's supposed to be a deep thick, rich joy. Yes. And that's a different idea. And so it goes back to this notion of kind of trusting to like, okay, well, let the mm -hmm. high of the thing, I don't mean getting high, but let the let the peak lead to some other thing as opposed to chasing further peaks. And yes. That, and I album, was chasing yeah. peaks. <laughs> I was right. definitely no, that's going clear. peak to peak. And I think I needed, I needed to be, I needed to find a non-dogmatic spiritual community. Um, and a place where music, you know, I just did an interview and people were asking about my voice on this record and saying just, it sounds like your voice is more open, like you're singing. It's a richer way at an age where a lot of people are getting more constricted. And I, I would attribute a lot of that to ceremony because the music in that and singing, singing prayers, you know, and and finding a, a place where instead of my music being a commodity, it was something that was useful to people in the elemental way that I've always believed music is useful uh, as prayer. And, um, and then I noted I was getting a lot of ego gratification from that. And that's probably not the best either, but um, it really re-imprinted on me what music means. And so, and I feel I've been able to carry that instead of, having to run back for the next dose. Um, I really love letting, letting that work kind of play out in day-to-day -day life. And it makes, and I found the richness that was there all along. And that I think is available to people, but I needed to be shaken by the throat for a number of years before. And, and even falling in love with Elise, I fought it tooth and nail. The idea that you know, this thing was there that was both so profound and also um, so humble and so much about just daily life and showing up. And, uh, you know, it's still um, still a lot of work and a lot of practice for me to, to hold myself to where I can keep showing up and not run away to the next peak. And we're going to have to work out what my work is in the future, you know, once we can afford to, um, that allows me to be home more and be more of a partner and not always be gone. And, you know,
I was thinking about Transient Whales, which is the best song on the last Toad album, and really feels like it could have mm. fit for, on this record. I'm glad and it wasn't, said, though, because I feel like that was my last divorce record. Well, this is, what I was gonna, this, this is what I was going to say. Is, but you say that's your last divorce song. And what's, what, but I, I think that is also a song about trying to find joy in like the sadness that engulfs you like water in a way trying mm -hmm. like like um and and it is a, a song about being you know alone in the in the, in, the, in the water um but what I was gonna say is after that song and then the first song on this album which still have each of them this question of being doomed to a solipsistic existence solipsistic existence whether you want that or not the rest of this record is so much about connection and trying to find connection and giving into it. Uh, this very question you're asking, mm. it's like, I felt like it is because you go right from the um, first song to riot and where you're basically talking, you are surrendering. I mean, the surrender is a great word that you used and it does feel like a part of you is going, okay, I've tried all this. I've tried resisting. I've tried fighting. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to let the fear win anymore. The fear that tells me I have to be alone yeah. win anymore. I won't be loved if I'm really seen. And it's like letting yourself just fall into it with all the possible perils yeah. of it. And I, I find the record joyous as a result of that. It is. It is a lot more joyous. And I, I also think even that first song, I don't, I don't think it's just about the conflict. I think it's about the active work of trying to find, right? Trying to find the middle between the sacred and the street. I'm, I'm, well, because you, like, you know, you, the character it, in the song you, knows knows what um, he should want, yeah. knows what he needs. But there yeah. is a question of whether he's going to allow himself to get what he needs. Yeah, but I think there's a realization there and maybe it's because I was really successful without a lot of effort really early in life. And then I had to learn how to work like everybody else tends to learn to work. I yeah. like, you know, was briefly, you know, semi-famous and fairly successful. And then by the age of 27, it was gone and I couldn't get a record deal. And I like, and it, for me, like that, learning to appreciate things and learning to do the work, including in relationship. So it's showing up day to day in relationship and understanding that love isn't enough. It also takes effort. It takes practice. It takes presence like that just because you love somebody more than you can stand doesn't mean it works unless you show the fuck up and, and, like finally getting that grind. I mean, Esther Perel talks about, right. The, the, you know, sometimes more directly with just sex of like having a good romantic relationship is work. And she has this way of saying, of course you need to talk about it. Of course you need to work at it. What better job could you have? What better work could you hope to engage in than trying to have a great relationship? If you leave it, if you don't pay attention to it, if you want it to take care of itself or be automatic, it will suffer. And like having that, like, oh, just because like Columbia Records reached in and gave me this like wild experience early. And it's not like it didn't work or we weren't good, but it was like the hand of God coming in and giving me this experience that I hadn't even aimed myself towards. 
And then the hand of God never showed up and did, did like my job after that was to like, oh, it's not the machines of the gods that are going to get me out of this. It's my own decent attitude. It's my willing to do the day-to-day work, to show up, to love, to be open, to be happy, to not play the victim. Like <laughs> only took 50 years. <laughs> but if, yes, but isn't it also... I could see you struggling because I hear you when I hear you cast when I hear you when I hear you cast that that success that you had it almost sounds like you were saying that at that time you thought it was going to go on and you were loving that success but what I want to talk for a second about because this again this record feels like it's finally losing this which is that there was a tremendous ambivalence in you mm-hmm. through that whole experience. I mean, totally. you know, um, on the album after the enormous success, the next huge album, you wrote the song Stupid. And the song Stupid is literally you looking at someone working, someone who you feel like is a working person, worried that you're going to present as though you think you're better than them Mm -hmm. and coming to the realization that um, you maybe uh, acted in a way that would give off that impression. And it's, it's almost like you weren't ready then to love yourself enough Mm -hmm. to keep the thing going. You wanted to put yourself, some part of you needed to put yourself through that. You were, you were writing about it and talking about it, right? Yeah. I remember even like that, that the story behind that song was this guy who came in, we had water damage in our ceiling. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm in a band, I, you know, tour. And he's like, oh yeah, I, I used to play. And he ended up, you know, letting me know he'd had a full ride scholarship to Juilliard and then his mom right. got sick and he had to work and take care of her. Um, and and I felt like such a dilettante. Like it's and the other um, lesson to take, but right, but there's but but right, that's so fascinating. I that had where such you went was to beat syndrome. yourself up as opposed yeah. to going, I have this opportunity, I'm I so have grateful. this gift. I and 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 also you were a very talented person with a wonderful voice, and you were giving a gift. You know, I remember I mean, I remember writing you a letter and because I saw you play this big venue and I saw, we were both very, very young, but I remember writing you this letter, handwritten to say like, please don't give up on this. Cause it was so clear to me that you felt like you didn't deserve some part of it. Mm-hmm. And now it feels like you are ready to accept May on this record, like maybe in a certain way for the first time, they're obviously written love songs before, but in a way it feels like you're ready to accept the gift from someone else seeing you and being willing Hmm. to love you. Um, And that feels like it was a long way coming as an artist and person. Yeah, there was a lot of imposter syndrome. I've always had, like as a little kid, like this feeling that something was just essentially wrong with me like always like underneath everything, like this essential wrongness that despite all the evidence to the contrary, I couldn't get over. And I finally have more of this feeling of, um, you know, I can, I can fight that voice a little more or even converse with it. And, and I have this feeling like I was, 
you know, if there's a meaning to my life, there's a way that when I sing about something I love, when I'm vulnerable or when I'm prayerful or when I'm hopeful, there's something in that that translates to other people in a way that opens them up. And that that's the only reason I'm like, that's not the only reason I'm breathing, but kind of the only reason I'm like, that's my purpose. Well, the James Taylor, that's why I'm here. Like, you know, that's why I'm here. I don't know what else I would do to my, and if I weren't doing it, um, I mean, it's part of why I think I needed to be doing that in ceremony and why I need to be doing that with community choirs. I needed to be doing it in ways that weren't tied to rock and roll or stardom or entertainment, which there's parts of those that I've always had a fundamental, like, like maybe a feeling that I'm born in the wrong time or, or like, you know, it's not even that it's just, I love, I don't know stuff that is like juicy and interpersonal and like my favorite musical moments of my life. People expect that it's going to be like the biggest show I played on the biggest stage. And it's usually like 10 people in a room with no amplification. It's all about heart and spirit and getting close to people. And I found places to do that. And I think finding that and giving myself to that, giving myself to these things that weren't about once again, the, the, you know, the spreadsheet that they hand you when you put a record out of like, you need your radio play and your sales and your first weeks and these, like none of that felt real to me. And I found these places that just felt so much more real and vital. And that's allowed me to bring what I learned there back into the touring and record-making world. Because I I found like the core of what I really love about music and what I really love about being alive and being an artist. And I think I had to go through all of but these it also, last but if, years. Didn't it feel it like, I, is it possible though it felt like two things? One, the imposter syndrome or this ambivalence. But often people like who do this stuff with their their life, there's the other thing fighting with with it, which is, but why aren't they seeing how good this really is, right? At the same time, there was a- Because I some, I think you have to be solid in yourself. I think you have to know who you are and not be fighting yourself. And I think yeah. I couldn't stand being seen. I felt like people would find that thing that I thought was wrong with me and judge me for it. I, I mean, I- you know, at the turn of the century, like, you know, like I, when I couldn't get a record deal, I had three kids. I was going on the road. I was totally depressed. I, it was at a total breakdown. It was the only time in my life, like I believed in the old Judeo-Christian God. And I felt like my whole career had been created in order for me to see my hubris and to cast me down. Like it's the most egotistical thought. I'm going to to name this too. It's it's a fantastically narcissistic (laughs) story to tell, but uh, it's very victim-y and what was me, but it's like, I felt so inadequate to it and I, I couldn't be loved. I couldn't take that in. I couldn't take that attention. I couldn't, 
Uh, you I can't, can't work through no one because you were also I would say during this whole thing because you say dilettantism was a fear of yours and all that I mean you worked your ass off like you were never not trying to write the best song you could write and you were never not trying and I know trying is like yeah. like attachment I was just talking about this with uh, uh, somebody and uh, there's I've had a lot of around my in the periphery of my life some some people get sick or die and and you mm. think about uh it makes you think about a lot of things. And I was uh, thinking about, decide, you know, I was a riot, you brought the peace, but I was thinking about this, the difference between peacefulness, happiness, joy, all those things. Mm -hmm. And I caught myself saying to somebody, what I want to try, and I went, no, man, the whole point is to find a way to not try and just be the thing. But Glenn, mm -hmm. it's so fucking hard to just be the thing, right? Well, you forget all the time. Like I just, you know, I, I was gone for, I've been mostly gone since May and the last time I came home and, and my breaks were all, I went and did a video during one of them. I went and had to do makeup shows during another one. So I haven't had solid time at home since May. And then I came home and got COVID and, you know, and so I was yeah, out brutal. We hadn't, we've had no really great connection since May and you know, the process of relationship, the process of awareness or mindfulness, we constantly forget. We always forget. And the the the, the practice is remembering, right? We're always fighting against yep. that stream. And but it's so yeah, it's just so um allowing, you know, uh, allowing yourself, myself, ourselves, oneself, oneself to sink into it to just mm -hmm. is is the a lot of the battle now. yeah a lot of the sort of thing of, uh and you're and you have always you've actually sung about you have from varying perspectives written about this for a long time you know uh, oh, yeah. it's fun to see you on the other side of it in a way as a writer too um in a much more granular way talking about it on this record yeah, it's a different, I, I was remembering something you said about me years ago that I had the, uh, there was something about it. It was like the, the lack of self-confidence of an autodidact, right? Uh, like uh, someone who hadn't gone through a formal classical training, right? I got to be the guy early on in the thing I did. And our team, because bands are familial, we sometimes we're supportive of each other but we also hurt each other a lot we didn't get to go into the workplace and you know we weren't trained in how to be a business together or even how to be a creative of team course. together um and our you know our expectations were pretty off kilter about how life or business or even creativity worked and and you know, the, I think the lessons of the last many years, you know, the coursework has kind of brought me to a point where hopefully some of that um, is mitigated, you know, that I have educated myself always, but yes, I can go course. to the next, but I go to the next shiny thing. You know, if I'm reading, I've never had to get through, you know, I'm still reading the dawn of everything, right? It's a long fucking right. book. It's a slog, but uh, you know, 
if it's not shiny for me, I can turn away. And, and a big part of my training and a big part of the training of a formal education or working for other people uh, in a context yeah. is that you learn how to follow through on stuff that isn't shiny. <laughs> but I was just, yeah, but who says like, here's the thing. And it's important. If anyone's listening to this too, I've been reading Murakami's um, book about being a novelist. He just, he just published a book about mm. being a novelist and it's wonderful. Uh, it's so good. Um, but but who who Stephon says by a bar? <laughs> who right? Who says exactly? Who says it has to be so hard? Like you know, when you say mm -hmm. it came easily, do you like you were able to pull melodies out of the air and tell stories um, that connected? And and mm -hmm. life will be hard enough. You know, the hard will find you, right? The hard will find you. Yes, is what you learn as you grow. The, the and so when yeah. the hard will find you. So when it's easy, let it be easy. As, yes. as an artist, especially if something is, that doesn't mean phone it in. That doesn't mean don't be rigorous in your rewrites. Uh, none of that. But, but, but if you're out there listening to this, like there is, if you write a chorus and suddenly that thing just fucking works, let that don't feel bad about that yeah feel great that that happened that everything you've lived up to that moment allowed it to have, you know you've always down you you I, I was thinking about this a couple of things when i was saw you this summer with the kids mm -hmm. at central park you know i thought of the james taylor line right i thought of summer like summer coming back every year got your baby got your blanket got your bucket of beer and then you know the thing about uh, getting me to play fire and rain again and again and again and, and then mm -hmm. that's why I'm here. And I was thinking about that when I was watching you play um, Walk on the Ocean because you've famously wrote the lyric in five minutes, the radio mix of it you didn't like, the redoing of the chorus, you know, putting the chorus back at the end. And then I looked out when you were playing that song at Central Park, thousands of people, me and my children, mm -hmm. grown now, and you kick into that song and we start joy, you know, like we're all teary eyed with joy, thousands of people. Yeah. Um, like, so are you at a place where the magic of that, you can feel it? Yeah, I finally get it? it's not about me. I mean, I, I, yes. there, there was such a long period of like, you know, push you away, come, come. You know, it's like, I'm gonna hide in the corner and, you know, cover myself with hay. And I want you to find me and tell me I'm beautiful and wonderful and lovable. Right. And, and right. that finally I can go and play that song. And instead of thinking these people don't appreciate my new material, I'm, you know, I'm terrible. <laughs> did I, or did I do my best work at 21 and I'm just washed up and no good anymore. Now I have this thing of like, this is time travel. It, it's not the best song I've ever written, but it hit people in a way at a time in their life that they carry with them forever. If you got people when they were 20 going to college, when, you know, this was, and I have this tool when it's my voice singing it, I can sing that song and I can bring people to something probably that they loved. And I think it's one of the ways in which music overcomes um, negative bias. You know, it's a yes. trip that way, right? We are negatively biased. 100%. And music cuts to positive bias. Music takes us back to good things. And it's it's the superpower of music. 
And, and I can sing that song and people go into their memories, but they don't, they go into the things they love or the people they love in a positive way and getting to press that button just by having my voice and singing that song that showed up at that time. There's a part of me that also is at this point, it has nothing to fucking do with me. I just get to be the delivery mechanism and what a wonderful thing to give to people. And if I take it as like, ah, my career now, this, that I made terrible decisions, like then it's hell. And like, at this point, I just get to enjoy the fact that I can make people happy so easily. Like it's so nice. <laughs> because music is beyond, yes, because music is beyond career. It's beyond, it's beyond rational thought, right? Um, mm -hmm. It seemed that already forgotten we came. Like that is not, that is not a happy idea. And yet it brings an incredible amount of joy. And, it's crazy. Uh, the last line is we slowly grow old. We don't right. even have pictures. Well, but then we like did. Um, but, but we but we did. Um, and then all these like people with their children. I'm, well, but this is a question, right? I looked after that show and I I, I wrote you, we texted about it, but like um you have something in the neighborhood of a million unique listeners a month on Spotify mm -hmm. or whatever. That's that's a, that is a real audience. Mm -hmm. That is a real group of people. That's unique. So that's a unique list. That's a real audience of people who have a real emotional connection to you. But I, but I wonder, there was a period of time in there for all the ills of the streaming networks, the apps. Were you aware of just how deep and wide the love for what you've done is in a way. Like, were you carrying that with you before the last couple of years where it all really spiked in a way you could see it on, on, mm. on that stuff? No, I still have trouble letting it in. And it's odd because I put out solo stuffs and I have like less than thousand, uh, less than 7,000 Only on a couple, listeners. only on a couple of the- No, on my solo, on all my solo- catalog i have less than seven thousand monthly listeners so same writer i mean you know and and half most you know this toad is a lot of co-writing half the songs are co-written with todd or with Dean, you know it's yes. like but um but it's like your words 99 percent of the time though your words and stories a lot of the time so it's like you know um, yeah 99 point something but it's right it's um it's so strange to be like huh same guy, same songwriting, but something I do is not compelling at all in the same but way. But it's interesting, right? That I'll, but it would, okay, but like, just take a second because what I said is, can you hold on to the fact that there are these millions of people yeah. who love you and what you do? And yeah. You immediately flipped it to I know, only 7,000 of them. Whoa, and me. I know it's whoa, a, me. No, but it's because not a whoa, I have it's a new me. Solo it's, yeah, but, but the idea to me is like, this solo record has a lot of the things in it that I, I mean, I, I would have to be one of the biggest Toad the Wet Sprocket fans in existence. Like I think mm -hmm. by any, any rational way of judging that, I would be in a very high group of fans yeah. of those records in terms of knowing them well and all that stuff. And this yeah. solo record is one of the, you know, I love the WPA album. That's, and I would say like, let's not just, let's, let's up the 7,000, Listen, so Glenn made an album as part of a, 
I guess you don't consider that a so is that under your name or WPA? The WPA album. Oh, WPA. Is that under your, it's Works is Progress that under your Administration. Name yeah, that's another. No, it's just album. Works Progress Administration. It was with uh, Sean and Sarah Watkins. A lot of the same characters as uh, as Watkins' Family Hour, um, and with that other great um, um, Luke musician. Bola. Yeah, and Ben Montench sometimes, right? Ben Montench. Well, the recording was Ben Montench, Greg Lease, Luke, Sean, Sarah, uh, and then Pete Thomas on drums and Davey Farager on, on bass. It was it was that's so bad. fun. But I would say like, so that album is really incredible, I think, and and in a different way. But, um, and people should go find that record. There's a song called You Will Always Have My Love that is, that's the one, that's the song that I'm like, I don't understand why people didn't find that song and why that mm -hmm. isn't a massive, that song should be in everybody's playlists. So go listen to that song if you're listening to this. But this album, I Was a Riot, I, I it is totally a Glenn Phillips song but it would completely fit on a Toad the Wet Sprocket album in a mm -hmm. way that um, it's almost like you're finally on this album and you did it on the Finally Fading album too. It's just rarely, you've rarely decided to be as um, open. You talked about the way you're singing it, as available on your solo mm -hmm. albums as you are on Toad records. And mm -hmm. you're really available in the best way musically on this record. Yeah. It feels Thank you. Like it has a lot of those elements and it made me very happy yeah. to listen to it, you know. Thank um, you. And I'm excited about like Toad's got, you know, plans for more stuff. I, I wish I hadn't gone back and complained about my, my solo numbers on Spotify. <laughs> See, I go there, but it's. I would completely cut it out of the episode <laughs> if I, but if you and I were any <laughs> less close than we are, but <laughs> I, I think you have to, but, I think you have to live with it. But it's strange with starting now the last Toad record, like my biggest regret on that record is that I didn't push uh, Todd to write and that I didn't, um, he was just not, you know, we were all, we, we did that. I kind of came in last minute. I'd been working on a solo record and I was like, I love these songs. I want people to hear them. I don't want it to be another solo record where like, these are too good not to hear. And we, started in and we did three days in the studio together and then lockdown happened. And so the rest of the album, we were just sending tracks back and forth on like recording at home and doing it on yeah. Dropbox. And, and Todd wasn't in a writing mood. And I had like been like, we need your voice on this. I should have called in Dean as, and I didn't call in Dean, which was stupid. Um, like I haven't fully adjusted. He's become a real writer in his own right. And like, uh, I'm excited for the next Toad record because like, I want, and it's funny, I like on solo records, I think there can sometimes be the thought that I do them in order to have all the control, but I actually more do them because I have more surprise. I'm working with different musicians. I get to like actually let things happen. Toad has a very methodical way of working and you know there's we have our habits together so there's a predictability and a little bit of us being in our own corners you know i'm leaving room for todd's well, parts Todd, on starting now were amazing it's yes the best but I, I, we had that you written, and i had this but, convo sitting there at, at central park yeah. and I, I i really um i'm glad that maybe 
he'll write for the next Toad record because yeah, and Dean too, something something happens when Todd contributes and gives you a certain kind of jumping off point. There is something yeah. that is very magical about that. And he has a really unique voice for someone he's not like, not a lyric guy, but he, there's so much emotion in his, like whatever longing is in him, like really comes out in his music. And it's such an important part of Toad and starting now doesn't have that. And it really lacks for it. I think it's a good record and I'm proud of it, but I, I think it's got some great, you know, it's got fever. It's got, you know, transient well. It's got great. Well, transient songs, well but- is a, an all, t- I mean, yes, I, I agree. I mean, I said it to you. I said, I, 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 I wish there was more of, of Todd's music on, on the yeah. record, but 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 transient whales an all-time great like another so yeah if people haven't heard that track by toad like go here it's fucking yeah. beautiful i i love it um and the next uh, record too like dean's never sung a song like we find he's got a wonderful voice tour. yeah he's got a great voice and he's been singing uh better be home soon the the crowded house that yeah. we do an acoustic breakdown and he's singing that and it's great. And I just feel like such an idiot. Like, why didn't, why were we so stuck in the way the band was? Um, and ideas of each other, probably their idea of me wanting all the control and my idea of like, ah, we're not collaborative enough. I got to go elsewhere to collaborate. But and the it's great, right in front of us. <laughs> but to live in the now and to be yeah. here is to say, all that stuff doesn't matter because you're here to, to move yeah, which makes me really excited about our next record. Like, <laughs> yeah, and, to move um, to move forward. But but yeah. look, the new album is there. So much here, Glenn's on the road. You can see him. Uh, you can listen to Glenn and Toad on all the streaming services, and um, it's really worth investing the time uh, in Glenn's music. Uh, in his worldview, there's just so much. Uh, there's just so much there, and, and just personally, dude, I'm I'm so happy that you have found yourself in a place right now that allows you at, at this point to make an album that's um, really reflects who you are and you know what you're thinking about. And thank um, you, thank you. I'm happy about it, and I hope I have. I mean, I did a lot of deep dive study on grief you know, post-divorce and, you know, there's, I think the only way to avoid grief is to not love anything. And that's like a really tragic way to live. Um, but I'm enjoying this like respite. <laughs> uh, I'm enjoying not being completely overwhelmed and being able to get some tools that I hope when the next wave of grief comes, which is inevitable, I have the core strength, right. To kind of get through yes. it. And, hey, hey, listen, and, grief, 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 yes, the next wave of grief may be inevitable, but that doesn't mean it's coming soon. Uh, and no, but it, it also just, it doesn't matter. It's like, it's that thing of being, and as somebody yes. who's valued the idea of being internally motivated instead of externally motivated or, you know, or having, you know, an internal reflection of worth as opposed to an external reflection of worth, I've had... I realize a really outsized external reflection of self-worth. And I feel there's something that's shifting in that. And this kind of, you know, I don't know if it's just age experience, what it is, but it's finally settling down and just makes me feel like, you know, it, you know, you know, Buckaroo Bonsai, right? Wherever you go, there you are. It's like, uh, 
which means that, uh, you know, being comfortable in your own skin is like the, and in a, not in a fake way, but for real being Dude, comfortable the whole, in your own skin. I say it all the, the time. I've said it on here a lot and I say it all the time. It's the whole thing. Um, yeah. Everybody go listen to Glenn's uh, music and go see him play live. Glenn, thanks so much for being here, folks. You can't find me on Twitter anymore, so you can email <laughs> me, me if you either. need me at the moment. <laughs> me, the moment, bk at gmail.com or on Instagram. Glenn's on Instagram too. And um, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>